You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm so thankful we get to chat with another one of our missionary friends today and learn the story of her service in Asia. Really looking forward to this. I just love our reconnects when we have time to chat with missionaries. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Deaconess Carol Halter. She's serving the Lord in Hong Kong. Deaconess Halter, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about where you get to serve each and every day, what part of the world and and what it's like to be there. I serve in Hong Kong where there are seven and a half million people in an area 20 miles by 20 miles. So it's a very crowded place, but a very, very safe place. Mm -hmm. What is it like serving in Hong Kong? I, I I would love for you to paint a picture of just what life is like there for you. Life is going on the subway all the time. We don't usually use cars in Hong Kong. We use the subway or buses or minibuses. And so I'm usually traveling somewhere to have Sunday school teachers training programs or once a year we have a special outreach for the, we call them street sleepers. That means the homeless and also the underprivileged. So we have that every year. So I'm just mainly traveling here and there. I do a lot of work also on the telephone, probably about two hours on the telephone, witnessing to people or mentoring them individually. My home is also my office. My bedroom is my office. <laughs> so that's about how it is. Oh, when I look out the window where I live, all I see is buildings. So I usually kid and say, I don't see the moon, but about two or three times a year, because if I look out of my window, I'm on the 14th floor out of 20 floors, and there are 100 buildings exactly like right together in an area of 40 acres or a half a mile by a half a mile. So you look out and you see buildings. If you're all the way downstairs and you look up, even more so, you see buildings rather than the moon. Yeah. (laughs) So that's how it is. Yeah. But I enjoy it. I love it. How does that compare to where you grew up? The climate is about the same. I'm from Florida, and so uh-huh. the climate is quite quite wet and quite hot. Yeah. Huh. The humidity is high. This is a pretty densely populated area. Was this a big transition for you? No, because <laughs> I always wanted to be a missionary, so no mountain is too hard to climb or no river is too deep to swim if I can just be a missionary, so... It didn't affect me at all, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What do you love about being a missionary? You, you said you've always wanted to be a missionary. I love telling people about Jesus and most of all telling those who have never heard about Jesus, telling them, and also telling homeless people, just meeting homeless people in the park and witnessing to them. Hmm. So you said you've always wanted to be a missionary. Now I'm curious how you actually got to be where you are. And how long have you been serving on the field? I've been serving since 1981. Okay, so you've got some experience under your belt. a little bit belt. of time. Yeah, yeah, which um, is awesome. When I was 14 years old in Florida, there was a missionary from Africa who came to our, our Sunday school. And I remember I was sitting on the left-hand side about the third row, and he had a great big uh, table full of bones and drums. And I was thinking... Are those bones, are they cat bones or dog bones or monkey bones or people bones? I was just like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed wondering what's he going to say. And then he said that in Africa they don't know the true God and so they 
use these bones to beat the drums to worship the false gods. Mm. And in my little 14 years of life, I thought everyone was a Christian because in Florida, all my relatives and friends and I was in a public school, they all believed in Jesus. And so I thought everyone believed in Jesus. We'll all go to heaven. We'll all see each other in heaven. And on this earth, whatever happens, Jesus will help us. And so I thought, life is pretty good. So he says in Africa, they don't know the true God. And so I I came home from Sunday school and I said, well, mom and dad, I know what I'm going to do after I finish the university. I'm going to be a, a missionary because they people don't even know him. Some people, it's kind of like, I know Jesus, they don't. Of course, out of logic, I would spend my life telling people about Jesus. And so that was just in my mind, just pure logic, not thinking about what a missionary might do or anything. It's just, I have to tell them, however however it works out, I'll just be a missionary. Yeah. How did the Lord prepare you then to be a missionary, your, your education and formation? As uh, I went to Valparaiso University and got a, in the deaconess program with a major in theology and a minor in education. And then I got my master's degree in Hong Kong at Concordia Theological Seminary, Chinese seminary we have in Hong Kong. And I got my master ministry there. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> while, while I was serving there. Yeah. I love your story so much. <laughs> wow. So it sounds like you're a lifelong learner as well. Oh, yeah. oh I love to learn, yeah. Well, what are some of the things that, that you've learned through the years as a missionary? What are some of the things that you've learned about the people you serve, the ways you get to serve? I'm sure you have lots of stories to share. Probably the main thing I've learned um, is to be flexible because hmm. whatever happens, you have to be able to roll with the punches and anything can happen at any time. And so mainly I've just learned to be flexible. Mm-hmm. So you you have formation as a theologian, as a deaconess. How did you end up serving among Chinese-speaking people? When I was in the university in the first year, I always listened to the radio. And there was a, um, a voice, it's called the Voice of China and Asia, a special program on the radio. And they told all about the work that they do in China and Asia. And so I wrote them a letter because I was just always interested in in the Bible and in Christian songs. So I wrote them a letter and I said, if you can send me something about what you do in China and Asia. And so they sent me a every week, every month they would send me a pamphlet and it would have about 12 pages in a quite big pamphlet, like letter size. And on the pages, they had all these pictures of these Chinese people and I received them and I cut them all out and I put them on my bulletin board at the university and my roommates put Elvis Presley on their bulletin board. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of both laughed at each other kind of like, you know, and uh, they thought it was crazy and I thought they were crazy. You don't even know Elvis. I mean, at least these are people I can pray for. Of course, you can pray for Elvis too, but but that's just one person. So I prayed for all these people for a year and after a year it was very clear that God wanted me to be a missionary among the Chinese people. So when did you start learning the language? When I first got there, then I started. It was five days a week, nine hours a day, and for two years. And because it's a tonal language, it's more difficult. So if you want to say, Jesus is the Lord and Savior, you should say, Yesosi Gaoju. And if you say it wrong and you say, Yesosi Gaoju, you said Jesus is a plastic pig. Oh. So you never mispronounce something. You say something way off the wall. 
and they do have their monkey gods. And so if you're talking about this plastic pig called Jesus, they could just think, oh, that's a new god, you know. So so after two years, you just barely can speak. After another year or two, you might get your tones leveled out to the right to the to the right tones so that you're not laughing people under the table or or something and so 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 it was when i got to hong kong and i learned the language how important is it to be immersed in the people and the culture in order to learn the language oh it's totally important um in fact i rarely speak english until i come to america <laughs> i've been in america already about 2 months now so my english is back but when i first uh, came there are many words i just can't remember in English. It's not just an old lady who can't remember. It's like, I know all these things in Chinese. I could just go on and on in Chinese, but but I'm trying to translate in my mind um, even simple, simple words. I mean, like like I, your glass there. I wouldn't know exactly what, we, what you would call that. I mean, what would you call that? I mean, I call it a Yeti, but that's just the brand yeah. name. A tumbler. Yeah. Oh, a, a tumbler. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's yeah. true. I wouldn't even know what a tumbler is, actually. Yeah, I would think it's someone, someone tumbles <laughs> in the sky or something, you know. Anyway, so I come back to, I haven't been, been here for five years and seven months. And so, yeah, I'm totally immersed in the in the culture and in the language and yeah, so it's so it's interesting. It's just kind of like it's just kind of like interesting coming back to America. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Kind of like everything's just kind of interesting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's quite a shift for your brain if you're if you're totally immersed in the language yeah, and the culture the and the people. Yeah, yeah. and the uh, the the culture too, because in the Chinese culture, if you are given something, you usually uh, first of all, you would hand it to them with two hands, and they would receive it with two hands. Like this is a very precious thing, you know. To us, it'd be kind of like you're greedy, you know, gra- grabbing it with two oh, hands. Yeah. And also, they would usually refuse a gift, say, "Oh no, no." And then when they finally take it, they'll just put it aside because they don't want to be greedy. Like, "Oh, I want to tear it open and look at it." And in America, if you say, "Oh, okay, well, thanks," and just put it aside, they think you don't even care, you know. Mm. So there are things like that that in America that. I'll kind of think, oh, should I just tear this this present open right now in front of them? You know, kind of like <laughs> that, that's kind of rude, you know. And yet, it's not rude in the Western culture. You know? So cultural things will be. Yeah, I'll do the wrong thing every once in a while. That is but, so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To think about all of the things that we just kind of do as Americans. That for you, it's 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 like, oh wait, this. I have to think about this. I got to think about this for a hot second because <laughs> I don't I do actually know. Not do. What, what did I just do wrong? Oh, I don't no. know. Someone looked at me like I did something wrong. Let me think what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I did do something wrong according to the Western culture, but you know, my sister will tell me. <laughs> did I do something wrong? That's not how we do it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. That's funny. Do you have other examples of of the cultural things that you've learned, because you, you've been on the field for a while, cultural things that you've learned that, that are now normal for you living in living in Hong Kong, some of the things that that you've learned how to do just as a natural part of your day? Probably just to be friendly, but it's not that's not a cultural thing. It's just mm. we should all be friendly anyway. And so it's just like <laughs> I'm just kind of friendly with, uh, especially the street sleepers, kind of the, the dirtier and the uglier they are, not that they're ugly, but the dirtier they are, the more I would like to talk to them. Yeah, And so they are often hidden behind their 
umbrella and all the things that they're hiding behind and don't want to talk to you. So I have to kind of side up and get under their umbrella or see see if, if they're willing to talk to me. And gradually they are. This one man, he was he had his big black umbrella and he was the kind with long black matted hair. And but I didn't see him yet, but he was behind his umbrella and all his things. And so but I knew it was a man because of his shoes and I was with another we usually go two by two. And I was with another man who was also sleeps on the streets. And so I said, uh, sir, we brought you some food because we bring them food in like cooked food with vegetables on it, rice and vegetables. I said, brought you some food. And he just says, I said, it's free. We brought it. I hope you like it. <sighs> you know, kind of his attitude was like, get out of here, you know. And I said, we, we thought we would come and talk to you. <gasps> and then I said, would you like us to pray for you? He says, okay. He bows his head, you know, and we prayed for him. So he must have had a Christian background way back in there. And, you know, I mean, he was just happy that we prayed for him. We put our hands on him and prayed for him. And so, you know, just kind of learned from doing it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I want to learn more about the people you serve and the culture in which you serve in just a moment. We're talking with Deaconess Carol Halter, serving the Lord in Hong Kong. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Our guest today is Deaconess Carol Halter, serving the Lord in Hong Kong. You've been sharing with us some great stories of where you're given to serve and the people you're given to serve each day in Hong Kong. Tell us more about the—we're approaching the season here in— we've talked a little bit about the difference between culture and experiences in the Western culture versus Eastern culture. What is— but what does the season coming up look like in Hong Kong and and maybe other parts that you might have experienced in Asia? What is the season that we call the Christmas season here in the states? Does, is is it is that even a season recognized in Hong Kong? Yes, there will be Christmas trees everywhere, Santa Claus everywhere. Once in a while, a nativity scene. Of course, if it's church, it'd be a nativity scene. So people and we do get the one or two days off at Christmas holidays. So everyone kind of, and choirs go out at night and on Christmas Eve. I think at one time, I think the the subway even stayed open all night long so people could be on the subway all night. And one time they, they stayed, yeah, and one time they made it free to be on the subway. I think it was from two to four 
a.m. Oh, wow. So people stayed up to two so they could get their free ride on the subway home or whatever, or maybe both ways, you know. But anyway, so everyone knows about Christmas. 60% of the schools in Hong Kong are Christian schools, oh, wow. and those are the best Christians are the best schools. And 70% of the centers for the blind and deaf and elderly are Christian, and those are the best centers. So so people have heard about Christ quite often. However, interesting enough, we took a group out on the streets to give out little what we call blessing bags at Christmas time. It, it was just last Christmas. In the blessing bags, we had masks and candy and cookies. Above all, most important, we had a gospel tract explaining the meaning of Christmas. So we took about 20-some people out, and there were ladies, elder male ladies, and children. So we had the children ask people a question, and if they answered right, they could have a gospel bag. But of course, we'd give them a gospel bag anyway, because we wanted them to hear the gospel. (laughs) But the question was, whose birthday are we celebrating at Christmas? And the children would ask them, and then if they answered wrong, the child would say, oh, no, no, it's Jesus' birthday, and then they would give them the bag. Anyway, so... I kind of took a poll about people's answers. I would I would guess about 40% when you say, whose birthday is it? They'd say, Santa Claus. And about 40% of them would say, I don't know. Like, I have no clue whose birthday it is. About 20% would say Jesus. Yeah. So there are 16% of the population in Hong Kong is Christian. And so, you know, 16% to 20% would say it's Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the religious, just the religious culture in Hong Kong. What What is that like for you to, when you're going around talking about Jesus and about Christmas, what is that reception like from the people that you talk? It's more like the children, because we have all these in Hong Kong, there are so many good Christian mm-hmm. schools. Mm-hmm. And there are also 1,300 churches of all different denominations, 50 Whoa. different denominations. And of 1,300, we have 40, over 40 of them our Lutheran Church, Hong Kong Synod, which is the sister synod of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we tell them about Christ, well, mainly these children, and in kindergarten, we have 22 kindergartens, and about, let's see, six primary schools, six high schools, with a total of 22,000 students that are Lutheran Church, Hong Kong Synod students. That's the sister synod of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod and about a 1,000 staff in those schools. And so the bigger problem is that the children and the, whether they're in kindergarten, grade school, high school, they come to believe in Jesus, but their parents don't. Mm. And so they're, so it's always the children who are wanting to bring the parents to Christ. And so they're kind of like our leverage to get into the family. The, the children will say, oh, uh, come and visit my mom and dad. I want you to tell them about Christ. You know? So it's not like we just coldly go up and talk to someone. Although when we pass out the gospel bags, we will use every opportunity we can to talk to them. And so, you know, well, sometimes they will talk in about five or 10 or 15 minutes just on the street telling them about Jesus. So it's like as much as they're willing to listen, we'll talk. Yeah. Hmm. What do you find most challenging about being a missionary and and especially where you get to serve? The most challenging thing is that you look out, like I look out my windows where I live in Meifu Sunchun, and 
uh, I think of all those families that don't know Jesus Christ, you know, like every window represents a whole family and only 16% of them would believe. Or, and so it's, that's the biggest challenge is that there's such a big need. And like the motto says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So it's like there, I'm the only Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod missionary there. And although there, as I said, there are many, many, many other churches that are there too. Mm-hmm. So it's like the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so we ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field because uh, more and more people are needed to bring the gospel to all these people. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the people that you get to work alongside to share the gospel message? Well, it is the Lutheran Church, Hong Kong Synod, all the schools and churches. We've over 40, 40 churches in the churches, I'll be having Sunday school teachers training programs mm. for the Sunday school teachers, maybe for two months or three months. And so I work with the pastor and, and with the people in the church, also holding different seminars in the churches about how to teach the Bible, how to, how to teach children and so forth. Is it challenging to find materials in the... Are you working in Mandarin or... Uh, I work in Cantonese. Cantonese, mm. Cantonese has... Nine tones. There's ju 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 ju. I just said nine different words. Mandarin has four tones, and so yeah, it's well. I think most of the materials I've developed myself. So I wrote a book called oh. Personal Evangelism in Chinese, and it has twenty chapters in English. Oh, sorry, twenty chapters for the teachers and twenty chapters for the students. Um, so. Um, it tells all the different ways that a person can can witness. And so, yeah, so I've used my own materials, of course, besides the Bible and Martin Luther's small catechism, we have that. Mm. And so um, some pastors will even preach on Martin Luther's small catechism just just part by part, I mean, small part by small part for the whole year. Yeah. Mm. So there's the Book of Concord. Most of those, a lot of those books have been translated into Chinese, I'm fascinated by language. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I love I love learning languages and, and learning about languages as well. And I did not catch all nine tones that you just no, shared I with us. No, I didn't either. My American <laughs> ears can't say, hear it. Yes, amazing. my Midwest American ears didn't catch any of that. I heard maybe like three different tones and that was about it. Uh, That's impressive. So what what might be something when you share the gospel in Cantonese with someone on the street, what does that sound like? What what's something you might share with us okay, from God's word in, in John three sixteen? We all yeah. know, and in in Cantonese, it's sang dai oi sai yan sam ji jian ta dik dok sang ji ji kap ta mon gil yat chai sun ta dik bat ji mi mong fan da wing sang. So that's John three sixteen in Chinese in Cantonese. Yeah. Wow. I love it. I learn something new every day. That's what we do here on the Coffee Hour. We learn something new every day. Uh, how can we continue to follow your story and the Lord's work in Hong Kong? You can write to the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and they can send you information about about what I do there. And you can ask them to have me uh, have have them put me put put them on my mailing list. Yeah. Very good. And we'll also share the link to your page on the LCMS website as well. We'll share that in the the show notes today as well. Our guest deaconess, Carol Halter, serving the Lord in Hong Kong. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you. Glad to be here. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. 
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.